Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much to our sponsor, Healing Insight Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine on Grand Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners can help patients with everything from digestion to weight loss, autoimmune conditions to fertility, and so much more. But today we're talking about sleep. It is crucial to our health, and a lot of us aren't getting enough good quality rest. And Senya says things like stress or anxiety, a nutritional deficiency, or a hormonal imbalance can be impacting our sleep. Healing Insight can help with those issues and treat you with acupuncture, utilizing calming points on the wrist, on the heart meridian that help you finally relax and sleep, and recommending herbs to calm stress and supplements to balance hormones. I see Senya regularly. She places needles in strategic points and then just lets me rest. I call it an acupuncture nap, and it's like a full night of restorative sleep in about 30 minutes. Visit HealingInsightOnline.com to see Senia's gorgeous new website and learn all about all of the treatments she offers. That's HealingInsightOnline.com. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Okay, Marjorie, the theme today is shock absorbers. (laughs) And you know who's the shock absorber are women and particularly mothers. And this conversation is uh, based on an article I read in the New York Times that I sent to you right away and I said, we have to talk talk about about this. this. Yes. And so it's not only me and you here, but it's also little Heathcliff. He is hanging out. He's my sidekick. So He's once like again, a- if you hear little like mumblings and grumblings, it's not like a gremlin taking over your speaker. It's an actual yeah. newborn child. I feel like he's kind of like our sound effects machine, especially in this discussion as we talk about the load that gets left at a mother's feet oh, um, in terms of child rearing and everything else. That He's our little sound effect to remind us that, yes, this is true. And it is true for your life right in this moment. It really is. You know, last night I hosted a virtual fundraiser for the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and I knew when I told them I could do it that I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to have a little tiny baby. But it was important to me to help the cause. And so I sat there virtually with all of these people on a Zoom call um, reading through this script and like helping with this fundraising effort with Heathcliff nursing right out of frame so that the people on the call couldn't see me. And I was honestly at a couple points going, what in the hell am I doing? (laughs) I do think as women, we get ourselves into that situation. And I think that idea of what the hell am I doing leads us perfectly to this article because I don't know that I'm going to have the reaction that you think I might have to it. So set it up for everybody because I think this is a really, really important discussion for working women, for single moms in particular, um, and for women in general, really. 
So the headline from the New York Times was mothers are the shock absorbers of our society. And then the sub headline goes on to say the pandemic is forcing moms out of work at great financial, societal and marital costs. And um, the article goes on to outline the stories of a few moms who are married and who are basically stepping back from the workforce because they are taking on the increased load of caring for children. And frankly, a lot of people can't even find childcare right now. And if they can, it's so expensive that these moms are finding that it's not worth it for them to work because they can't pay for the childcare that it overwhelms what their salary is. Right. Um, It becomes a wash. And moms are talking about working six to seven days a week, including nighttime calls with kids awake beside her. And and so moms are making these decisions to step back from their positions, knowing that it's going to be detrimental to their careers in the long haul. But at the end of the day, they have to make decisions that are sensible for their families in the near term. And then what the New York Times says, those decisions are also emotionally devastating and have long lasting consequences. Women already accounted for the majority of jobs lost during the early days of the pandemic. And every month since June, there's been a pronounced slowing of job growth and labor participation for married women. And that's coming from an economist at the Center for American Progress. And it's pretty shocking, Marjorie, four times more women than men dropped out of the labor force in September. And so, and this is married women who then, of course, were were generalizing that they would have a partner who would be financially providing for them. Right. Imagine what it is for single women. I mean, yeah. it's and, devastating. And that's where my heart goes first. I have to be honest. My heart goes first because this is fundamentally an economic issue. Mm-hmm. And economically, I think we all know that if you're raising children on your own, quite frankly, I can't imagine the pressure of that. I just can't. And so my heart goes there first to those single women who are out there who, if if they're withdrawing from the workforce and then trying to figure out how to support themselves and their children, that's heartbreaking because you and I both know, oh, my God, the stress of that alone, of trying to right. figure out government assistance and where are your child, children to be taken care of and what's your long range possibilities for employment, all of that. So that having been said, I think because you and I are not in that position, we almost have to put that aside because I think everybody can sort of fundamentally agree that's a horrible, vulnerable, difficult position to be in. Yeah. Where I, in this article, where I struggle was primarily with We've we've quoted this author before. Her name is Jessica Gross, and we she does the parenting column for the New York Times. And where I struggle with this article is with the first woman that she profiles, who's a physician. She's a doctor, and she also has an academic side of her medical career. So she's got yeah. two things going on at the same time. In the article, it talks about how her husband had sort of put his career on a back burner for years carrying the domestic load so that she could become a doctor and a researcher. Right. So then they go on to say his job has suddenly become less flexible, so she's the one that has to step back and just be a physician, sacrificing the academic side of her career. Mm-hmm. I got to say, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not feeling her pain. Yeah. And and I know that sounds harsh. And I, you know me, Elizabeth. I am a feminist. But I think 
when you have children, you sign up for this. Yeah. And even she says, they quote the doctor as saying, look, I have a great career trajectory. I have an A-plus feminist husband. I've got to step back to just pull the nest together. Okay, what's the problem? Yeah. What's the problem? And so the the columnist who leans super liberal in this sense in terms of what women should get and what we deserve and all of that makes the point that this is a loss to society because this researcher is stepping off the track. I'm sorry. There are lots of researchers. I don't know that this woman was going to be the big difference. And I think that's where as women we get into trouble. Now I feel like I'm on a soapbox. But I feel like the minute you get into this idea that you are fundamental to the workplace, that without you, society is going to be different and that your your career so is a part of who you are. I think that's a problem when you have kids. I just do. Yeah, I get it. I think it's just... And I get that her example, like, I think maybe the choice of that example was not great for this piece. And then when you look at the statistics of women losing jobs and women dropping out of the labor force, I think that that general idea is more impactful than that one specific story about this woman having to give up one part of her career. No, I get that. I just think that in general... There is a constant pull of, I just had this discussion with my best friend. I mean, we were just texting and she's a veterinarian and she's buying her veterinary practice. Right. And she's talking about her fear of, did I, am I biting off more than I can chew? Is this too much? Because it's that constant balance of kids versus work that we're always trying to figure out. And I think for women who are in that position where, they're really trying to make the next leap in their career yep. and they're really trying to get to that next great place. That's where it can feel like they've got a lot to give up no when kidding. there I mean, are kids and then the pandemic versus like, I don't feel like I'm trying to make a next leap. I'm just trying to stay afloat. <laughs> right? yes. well, I, mean, I, I don't want it. any more leaps. <laughs> no leaps. Done leaping, done leaping, just walking, walking slowly. Right, no, he boy, no. I know. <laughs> no, I so, I so get it. I mean, this was the point I was at when I made it to CNN. Here I've made it to CNN. I'm, I remember the day where I'm giving the kids a bath and trying to watch all of the news that's going on at night because you can't show up at CNN at at the meeting in the morning not aware of what's happened in the world. Of course. So I'm giving the kids a bath, watching the news, getting them to bed as quickly as I can. The mornings were get them up as quickly as I can, push them out of the car, get out, get out. Get out, get out, so that I could read. I have already read the morning papers, but so that I can get to the morning meeting halfway informed. Yeah. And about eight months of that, and it was like, oh, no, 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 no. I know. I know. And so I get, could could my career trajectory have been very different? Of course. But at some point, you you just have to balance it out. And so I think in a lot of ways, you you said it actually quite beautifully, I felt like that was a luxurious position to be in that I could say, I'm stepping back a little bit. Right, right. I'm stepping back, which is, again, why my heart goes to women that are trying to raise children in a pandemic by themselves. And I think that women like your friend who's buying a practice, if you are going to make that leap, that's a leap, then you've got to figure out how much money are you going to spend to get yourself through that leap? Mm -hmm. Is it a 
day night nanny. I knew producers who had day nannies and night nannies. Oh my gosh, I know. But and that's so like that was a choice. I mean, I knew a lot of women that did that. That was a choice that I stepped away from. I wasn't going to do that. I had kids because I wanted to be around my kids, and I didn't take that much time off. But it definitely changed the tra- trajectory of my career. But I was okay with that. And I think my problem sometimes with this article is when she talks about the devastating emotional blow to women and the derailment of their careers. I get that. I went through that. It's it's a hit to the ego. It's a huge hit to the ego. But I think go get therapy and figure <laughs> it out. So I don't – I get frustrated with that discussion I'm more engaged, again, to what you said, is the amount of what was the four times more women are dropping out of the labor force. Yeah. And that's where I think like that's the big ramification within the workforce is where is that representation? I mean, all that representation that women have gained in the workforce are then just going back. And I think women and men are experiencing different pressures. If you're talking about a heterosexual married relationship, then I think a lot of women maybe feel that pressure that they have to pick up more of the slack at home. And then men feel that pressure that, oh my gosh, they've got to make sure that they're performing at work and keeping their job so that they can keep the finances afloat for the family. It's what, but what's happening then, and I was just reading something else on, we love that website, Motherly, which has also inspired some conversations on this podcast. I was reading an Instagram post from them today talking about how the pressures of the pandemic and then having to decide who's going to take on the bulk of childcare when we don't have school as an option, that that is leading to more traditional gender roles, that families are going back to those more traditional gender roles. And then what does that do? And that I would say can be a devastating emotional blow to women who maybe don't want to be in those roles, but then find themselves in this situation where they have to be because they just simply can't handle doing a full-time job and kids. I mean, the the text message chains right now, Marjorie, with my friends and with my sisters are all about how the schools are closing again. I mean, now more and more districts are saying that they're not. I mean, our school, we were having two days a week. We're having less and less of that. Like my daughter will go to school next week for two days and then will our best shot of her going back is mid-January after that. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm finding myself then going, okay, I've got maternity leave till January. And then what do we do? Then what am I going to do? And, and it is just, you know, it can depend on the relationship and it can depend on different jobs, but it is falling. I feel like I have to figure it out. I mean, I have to go back with a plan of figuring out how I'm going to balance all of it. And it does not feel good doesn't feel good to me at all when already knowing that going back is hard for me right that then you add in that extra layer and it's like man what am I going to do yeah I think obviously COVID adds that extra layer of pressure that when I I would step in and out of my career when the kids were little because I could work freelance which is what I did I stepped Mm -hmm. in and out and then what I did is I buffered it with a lot of help and so I had, and, and so I felt very lucky to be able to do it the way that I did it. And I did it because, well, one, I, I fundamentally have to work. I cannot be, I was not, it was not good for me to be a hundred percent stay at home mom. Yeah. 
be, but freelance allowed me to dip in and out, which was a really great thing because as soon as my life felt like for a lot of working women that it was getting way out of control, a project would end and I would take a month or a month and a half off. You, there isn't a woman out there that doesn't know that feeling like everything's spinning out of control <laughs> if I could just have a moment of time. I know. And, and I was lucky enough to get that because it's amazing how you can whip your life back to shape with just three weeks of sleep, three weeks of getting things back in order. And so I understand I understand that I was fortunate in that way. And so I don't mean to be harsh because I, I don't know what it's like to be facing what you and all your friends are facing. I know the struggles I had in normal times of just making these personal decisions of what I was going to do. What we're talking about, four four times as many women leaving the workforce, these are not – this is not by their choice. This is Mm -hmm. in a way by necessity. But I think what it leads to, again, and I think what it just exposes in this country is the lack of affordable child care. Yeah. I mean, just that at its core, would COVID solve that? I don't know. A lot of the child care centers have stayed open. So I don't know. It's, I mean, it's very complicated. And I feel like I, I'm being harsh, but I get frustrated with with the idea that the women are always the losers. I think I get frustrated with that. And so my frustration is like, because I'm a, I'm sort of a fighter by nature, it's like fight to take back your power in this, but I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, it definitely, I think when you look at, there's a, there's a motherhood penalty when it comes to finances, right? I mean, studies show that women will earn less they're seen as less valuable in the workplace when they're, when they become a parent yeah. versus men where it's seen as a real attribute. So men do tend to out earn women still. So then it becomes the decision for women to leave their jobs. And that might not mean that they're very happy about it, but I think I've been amazed oh, with this school stuff, Marjorie, at how much of my life is revolving around being a secretary for my five-year-old. Oh yeah. Oh Oh, just and wait. the daily rage that I feel towards my printer is like so <laughs> constant where I just look at it and I want to smash it because it just never works when I really actually want it to work. I had to buy a new printer and then I have to figure out how to use the stupid printer yep. and then um. I have to transfer the files to be able to print the things that she needs to print and all of the yep. all of the um all of the worksheets. You know, yep. in this article the author says for example, I spent at least 15 minutes last week trying to log into Seesaw a string of words that would have not even made sense to me before March of 2020. And I started laughing because it was about 45 minutes of seesaw on Wednesday of taking pictures of worksheets and uploading them and making sure that they're right and uploaded to the right thing so that my child gets credit for going to school oh, on Wednesday my when she has no school on Wednesday. And oh, Elizabeth, the hardest thing I think is when you've got, you know, I have a kindergartner, like she can't read. So I can't go, here's your worksheet, do it (laughs) because she she can't can't. read the worksheet (laughs) to figure out what What to do, do. you know, and it's getting easier because now I've taught her how to upload her own photos. So she knows I take the phone and I give it to her and I say, do this worksheet. And she takes a picture of it and hits the check mark and uploads it and gets it all set. (laughs) But she can't read how to do the actual worksheet. So, 
the labor time involved with her school for a kindergartner is totally different than it would be for like a sixth grader. Right. Because a sixth grader can read. <laughs> I'm totally distracted for the moment because is he feet? What's he doing? Is he oh, covered up? No, he's sleeping. Oh, he's sleeping. <laughs> he's, he's just so sleeping cute. right there. I just oh, have a blanket over my shoulder. Oh, there he is. Oh, okay. There he is. Oh, what a sweet pee. He's used to he's sleeping to the sound of my voice. Yeah, I here's here's the only way that I can identify that, Elizabeth. I'm taking my first online college course. Oh, that's exciting. Way to yeah. go. So I'm taking a photography class, but it's all online. And the logistics of getting my assignments in, of making posts to the other students and having, because they have to have some sort of classroom discussion. For sure. So you have to, in Slack, you know, you have to post and you have to comment on each other's work and you have to, there's so many things to do to replace the fact that you're not sitting in a classroom. (laughs) So I can't even imagine, like, I think that's kind of the equivalent of what you're having to do with Bernie. Yeah. It's just, just these little things that would be so easy. You would drop her off at 8 o'clock and you'd pick her up at 3. You wouldn't know a thing. No. I mean, I remember with great shock when my sister told me, one of my sisters told me, her kids were like fourth grade and under. She has three daughters, that she never checked their backpacks. And I was like, wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> But imagine, like, that's how it's supposed to be. I know. Is that, like, the kids go off to school and check the teacher has it under control. And has it under control. They'll call you you if there's a problem. I knew things were getting bad when yesterday in Bernie's backpack there was a brown paper bag, like a grocery bag, folded up with some things in it. And I said, what is that, Bernie? And she, I said, what is that bag? Because I was putting her stuff in her backpack for today. She said, I don't know. And so I looked in there and it's the extra supplies that I sent for the classroom. (laughs) So her extra colored pencils and the extra crayons, the teacher sent home. And that's when I was like, we're doomed. We are doomed that that's it, that this is how things are progressing. And, um, you know, and so... I think what's what's interesting, too, is I think we've talked about that role of motherhood, of sort of this modern motherhood idea that we take on the emotional, spiritual, physical development of our children is all reliant on us, right? And that has not historically been the case where right. there has been right. this idea that moms are not solely responsible for all of those things for their children where in modern motherhood that's what we've sort of developed yeah, it's into too much. much to our detriment and and so what this new york times article talks about too is that moms are blaming themselves for conflicts in their homes feeling responsible for reducing them and then and and i think that's part of it with school too is there's just this increased responsibility of figuring out school and making it this great experience for your kids. And it's just one more thing that's being piled on that we have to accomplish for them. And what? so I think I, I like what you're saying, because I think it is a reminder that like we're the ones that are in control. And even though we're getting that and getting that, we have to just in our own minds say we can't take on all of this. It no. can't be my sole responsibility to make Bernie's kindergarten great when it's just, 
it is what it is. Yeah. It's not that great. It's not that great for her to sit on a Zoom call and then no. do a worksheet where she colors in T's and uploads it to Seesaw. It's just not. And I and I think that I think that I think that that's a really important thing to remember. And I think that for women that are in the position that they have a job and their husband has a job and life feels chaotic, you just got to let go of a lot of a lot of what you thought the world was going to be. Yes, Marjorie, that's so you just I mean, you just have to let go of it. That I means mean, to for go the on first, a t-shirt. Well, for the first time I'm like, I could do edibles. I could do edibles. I really could. <laughs> I've never been high in my life, but I could do that. We just legalized marijuana in Arizona, I, and I voted for it. Take so the it's edge like, off. Take the edge off. I just think, I mean, you use the word grace a lot, which I love that word, and I just think there's an element of this. I mean, that we'll go back to that t- statistic. Four times as many women are leaving the f- workforce as men. Mm-hmm. How can we look at that as empowering? Yeah. How can we look at that sort of as a as a as a force as women? How can we look at that as okay, we're sort of if you look at it kind of like a war, we're the soldiers. Yeah. And we're going to get our families through this. And we're going to sacrifice and we're going to do this so our kids come out of this happy and healthy and whole. Maybe a grade behind, but they'll make it up. <laughs> they'll make it up. I know in Europe they do a gap year anyway, so yeah, they're already so, behind. Yeah, so this is the five-year-old gap year. <laughs> Big deal. I do think, though, what you said earlier, which is something that is so important and is you are not what you do. And and that's that's been like my mantra for many, many years particularly working in television and it had had nothing to do with a little bit to do with the fear of losing my job because I did lose my very first job. I was laid off, let go, asked to not return. I don't know, Marjorie, whatever. (laughs) It happened. (laughs) The station was bought. My services were no longer needed. Okay, fine. But you, when you identify too closely with what you do as who you are, that is when you get it gets very tricky if you lose that. And yeah. inevitably, you're going to lose you're going to lose it. every role that you have in your life. You will lose at some point. If you yeah. are married and you are a wife, either you will die or he will die. You yeah. will lose that role. You know, you will not be a mother. It's just a ray of sunshine. It really <laughs> is. But you'll, you won't be a mother in terms of the way that you're a mother when your kids are small yeah. forever. You know, you won't yeah. have that job forever. And that's where I always go. If, you, if you're constantly thinking about what you do as who you are, then the loss of those things is it's, it's inevitable that there's going to be grief involved with those transitions, of course. But when it's pulling at who you are as a person, that's when it gets so difficult to ever overcome. To well, even appreciate the good things about that transition. And that's exactly right. And honestly, it's one of the things that I've always admired about you is because I've known you since, I don't know, how old were you when I first met you? Oh, gosh, a long time, probably 25, 27, 27. Like and I just loved you were you were centered in such a beautiful way. I loved the way. I mean, I went house hunting with you for your first house. I know. And you were so centered in. This was going to be something really important to you. This was going to be sort of the center of your universe. And you were a single woman who was just going to have the life that she wanted. Yeah, I was a dog mom too, Henry. Oh, bugger. Yeah. You talked very little about 
I knew your career was important to you, but it was not it was not in any way who you were. And that is you were an outlier for many radio and television personalities who it becomes very much a part of who they are and a part of their identity. But I think that can extend to all women who are working very hard at a career. And when they talk about the emotional devastation of walking away from your career, I identify with that because my choices were emotionally devastating to me Mm -hmm. because I was very much tied to success. Yeah. If I wasn't the very best that I could be and moving as quickly as I could, then I was failing. Mm -hmm. And that was a really hard part of my personality to untangle. And so when this writer from the New York Times talks about this physician stepping off her academic career, I get it because I was wired that way. And I guess when I don't have sympathy for it, it's because I had to work really hard to untangle myself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what I admired about you is you were kind of already untangled. You just were you. And if it's because you were let go from your first job, (laughs) then that was like the greatest gift you could have gotten at 22 or 23. It totally was. Because I just think that that's that's where we get into trouble, aside from the economics. I mean, there are so many different things that go into this discussion that we're having. But aside from the economics of it, if you as a woman are completely tied and that's your identity and you have kids, that will be troublesome. Yeah, because it's it's just you won't feel you can't feel like you're succeeding at everything all the time. You can't. And so you'll always have such this sense of of failure. And then you're not really getting what you want to get out of any of it. I mean, then it's just like you're going to look back and go, boy, I wish I would have appreciated all of it more. Yeah. Where does that leave all of this leave you and your friends that are texting each other? How are you? How are you going to do it? I don't know. I don't know. One day at a time. I mean, I talked to my boss at Twin Cities Live in a few weeks, a couple weeks ago, and I was able to get together with her and she just said, and this is, this is the thing too. I mean, if you can have, uh, if you can have a boss that's in the same boat as you, it's a right. lot easier. Right. She says, we're just going to take it one day at a time. That's all you can do. And cause I started going, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And she said, we're just going to take it one day at a time. And that's how it's going to go because it's just, if you start to think about this is going to last for so long, which remember at the beginning when we thought, oh, maybe the restaurants will be closed for two weeks and then yeah. we'll all go back. Yeah. Uh, it feels so, it, it feels really overwhelming. So well, you're, you're in a hot spot. All my kids and husbands are in hot spots. I'm in the only part of the country that sort of steadied itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, I think that's really overwhelming in and of itself. But I think when we, Honestly, when, when I think about, when I think about young families in this situation, it's hard for, there's a part of me, to be honest, and this, you can, you can just tell me I'm an idiot for this, but there's a part of me that's sort of envious of a family that gets to be together. Yeah. There's part of me that just looks at that and thinks, if I could have my family around me, that would just be amazing and, and less scary. But at the same time, I also know, like when you were saying the other day, that some days everybody's cranky, everybody's crying, everybody's and, – and there's no relief. And so I just – I don't know. I think I've talked myself into a corner. This is why I, I need edibles. <laughs> 
Well, when is this legalization going into effect, Marjorie? Not soon I mean, enough. What, what a joy that is. I'll call you. I'll be alone and I'll pop one. I'll give you a call. Maybe we'll do a podcast. Let me know what kind of dispensaries getting... you find. Yeah. With me getting high for the first time. <laughs> that would be our best rated podcast ever. That would be so bizarre. I'm sure of it. I think Just I'll, one day at a time. I think I'd be super paranoid. I think that's I think the so way too. it's going to go. I think yeah, I'll I think be super so too. paranoid. That's exactly what I think will happen to you, but I'm willing to go along for the first ride. <laughs> can he, he be there too? He, he might can be, be. He might be the calming factor for me. He really is. When okay. you just look at a sleeping baby, it does really, really help. Okay, Elizabeth, what have we solved? Other than I feel like I went on a an unempathetic rant. Um, this is one of those where we don't really solve anything. Okay. It just happens that way. Sometimes you get solutions on best to the nest and most times you don't. And just live with that. <laughs> I will agree with the statement that the women are the great shock absorbers. I do too. What I what I want to feel is that we are strong enough to be that. And bounce and, right back. And bounce right back. <laughs> If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. So this is from R. Beck 100, and she wrote to say, love listening to the Ian and Marjorie podcast. Yes. Ian is and always has been a soothing voice. I love this podcast with Elizabeth and Marjorie for many reasons. Keep up the truthful talks. Well, we certainly did that today. <laughs> your podcast is always a comfort and helps me be more transparent in my day to day. I picked that one Yes, thank you, Ian, for filling in. But yes. more importantly, I love that what she takes from the podcast is the idea of being transparent. Oh, my gosh. That makes me so happy because yeah. that's how we feel about the conversations. Yeah. And I think that's something that right now, as I could even hear sort of your anxiety. Plight. Yeah. plight what word, how would you describe your emotional state? It's a plight. It's, I mean, and I, I have a lack of sleep and, <laughs> and I don't fit into my clothes. Marjorie, I don't know what you want me to tell you. That's what's going on. I wish I could be your nanny. I wish I could just I be there and live upstairs in that room. It'd be so help. nice. It would, I had such a nice time when I stayed with you. <laughs> but anyway, I love, I love that that's what she's taking from it and we'll continue to try and be transparent and as much as you can be that in the world right now for your girlfriends, all of you that have young children together, gosh, help yourselves through it because this is hard. It is hard and it continues. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. 
only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.